Hey everybody, welcome to Some Nerds Have a Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. <laughs> and I'm Alex. Uh, yep, it's going to be another one of those. Because <laughs> the, the world is a vampire. Set to drain. I don't actually remember how that song goes. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, the world is a vampire. That's how it starts. Yeah. Um, with Me- with Merrick Ishtar <laughs> I only ever think of that whenever I think of that song now, I can only ever think of the um uh Neil Cesagera mashup. Oh with... right, right, right. Yeah. With with working <laughs> for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, with working for the weekend. Yes. Uh Oops. we may have be having some new listeners this week. Uh there have been oh. a lot of people joining our Facebook group for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I saw that. So, yeah, well, are you people bots? No, then then <laughs> be nice to the new listeners. Hey, if you're bots, you gotta tell us that you're bots. <laughs> That's the rules. I, I heard it once. A B A B. All bots are bastards. <laughs> but welcome to the you podcast. Gotta tell us. You gotta, you gotta interact with the Facebook group. Or you gotta... <laughs> and by interact, we mean do a rail with us. <laughs> oh God! Uh, oh, for man. legal purposes, that was a joke. Speaking of, uh, speaking of cops and bastardry. Oh yeah. Um, I We're just jumping in. Yeah, right in. I was listening to. Um, I. I was listening to Behind the Bastards this past week. I'm almost caught up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did like a six-part series back at the beginning of the summer called Behind the Police. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that he talked about in like one of those episodes, because it was basically like a history of American policing and how like they've always been terrible. Um, and in one of the more one of the ones that was about like the recent years. He talked about, like, former police officers, like, becoming criminals. Uh, And there was one in particular. I can't remember where he was. But he was, like, running a prostitution ring. And basically, because he had been a police officer, he knew all of the, like, regulations involved in, like, anti-prostitution sting operations. Mm. So, like, he basically... Like, so apparently... If, if you're an undercover cop and you're, like, trying to bust someone you suspect is a sex worker, um, which is a whole other can of worms that I'm not going to get into the ethics of right now. But if you if you were due to, to do such a thing. No, let's get into the ethics. You're a bad person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're a shitty human being. All right, now moving on. Um, <laughs> but uh, so he would uh, he would have the Johns, like, get naked before any money changed hands because apparently if you're a police officer trying to bust a pro- uh, uh, like someone for prostitution um you can't actually expose your genitals to them so like he was that would be like yeah that would be his thing to like make sure that the people coming in weren't actually cops like just take all your clothes off now before before we exchange any money and like agree to this deal that sounds huh. okay. <laughs> you know yeah. what? Good for him. I, I mean, was, I don't know. It's 
Listen, sex work is a nobler profession so, than, than coppetry. Sex work is a nobler <laughs> profession than being a police officer. To this, I agree. <laughs> However, being a pimp is not necessarily a nobler profession. That's true. Than being that's a just, police that's officer. That's just like a... a I blanked out like a, during that part. I thought it was just like a, a sex worker doing it for themselves. No, no, no. That's no, like no, a this capitalist was, of the sex working world, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't actually do any sex work. You just reap the yeah. rewards. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of um, police being best. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, you provide the quote unquote protection that wouldn't actually be required if, you know, sex work was legalized and, like, sex workers could take care of themselves without fear of, like, reprisal. Unionized. And, like, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's, that's just one. Just Did a thought. Did I tell you about the the documentary that we watched like oh, years ago yeah. about the the uh, sex workers who did unionize in um, San Francisco? Yeah, we you've probably talked about it you, on the podcast. I think but... we talked about that very early on. Yeah, I, I do recall yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, it's on Netflix. It's it's really good. It's or really at fascinating. least it was like four years ago <laughs> or whenever we watched it. Uh, I uh, do want to say breaking news. I don't know if you've seen, um, uh, but as of like about an hour ago, there was another police shooting in DC. Uh, oh, 18 fuck. year old male. Uh, that's all we really know about the victim, but police uh, straight up murdered and there's a uh, crowds forming and protests beginning soon. So uh, keep up to date on that. Interesting. Yeah. That singing as we are now the, uh, the the DC office of this podcast. <laughs> Ugh, man. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Cool. So how are we going to transition out of that, Alex? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. We're still talking about news, right? We're going to talk about the the end of the Kennedys line. Oh God, yes. <laughs> uh, the end yeah. of a dynasty. <laughs> I mean. Not really. Like the, I've seen some uh, posts about this today, and like the darkest ones that I've seen are like he's going to primary against Elizabeth Warren um, the next cycle. Jesus fucking Christ! Stop. And, and he's probably going to win because she's not really good at campaigning. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but that's something oh that I've God. seen people speculating about. Mm-hmm. I swear to fucking God. Like, that's, like, the the problem. I mean, I don't want to be an asshole. And, and I am saying, like, you should vote for Biden. Because, ugh, that's where we are in this world. In hell world 2020. But, like... The views of Elise do not... Are not endorsed by every member of some nerds of a hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But, but it's... You know, I just... Like, I feel like these stupid moderates are going to become emboldened. You know? Mm. These stupid, like right-leaning Democrats are going to fucking be emboldened if Biden gets in office and like, yeah, we got to compromise with the Nazis. That worked really well in the past. <laughs> it's, it's got to serve us well now. And it's like, I just feel like that's, that's where we're heading. That's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So. Uh, it's great. This is great. Alex, I blame you. You blame me personally. <laughs> What'd she do? Because she like threw in that news news story, and now I'm super depressed. <laughs> and I well, feel be bad less making depressed jokes be, about how depressed I am. Be less depressed about the fact that Ed Markey won, and you know the guy that's co one of the co sponsors of the Green New Deal 
is that's true you know, going back he's not a socialist by any stretch but no you know, fuck it you know it's <laughs> better better than it oh my gosh you, you shared Did a you post see... on facebook i think it was what was it the the you shouldn't go through medical induced uh debt without yeah, a lawyer without a lawyer by your side <laughs> <laughs> the weakest oh. fucking take the, oh god did you see the one um I can't remember it was some it was some like LGBTQ centric news source mm-hmm. and one of them was legitimately sad it was like a um like a an openly gay mayor like lost his presidential like or his uh his primary race mm. or something. I can't, I don't, I don't know this person. So I wasn't really familiar with it, but it sounded like that person was probably like fairly progressive and okay. But then the, the other one was about Joe Kennedy and they just framed Joe Kennedy as trans ally. Joe Kennedy loses uh. primary bit. <laughs> and it's like, like more than like, I mean, I don't know that much about Ed Markey's stance on like, trans rights but i probably i imagine they're probably fairly comparable i mean i just feel like the, the bar on trans rights is so low that is so low right now like man do you use people's preferred pronouns are you generally not a dick to trans people <laughs> you might be a trans <laughs> rights activist <laughs> like, yeah uh, I don't know. That's my take as a cis person. What do you What do you think? Um, I think that I, I who what? <laughs> uh, my take is I had never heard of this Kennedy before today, and I will never hear of him again. Um, mm. So I don't. No, really... but, but that idea that like the 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 bar for for being pro trans is is super low, right? I mean. To a certain extent, but we'd like more, please. <laughs> um, you know, free access to our meds would be nice if we're taking them. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know what? We have a health. Well, nobody gets free meds, so, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was rude, and I apologize. <laughs> See, I'm not going to trans rate activist because there was that low bar. <laughs> Don't be a ch- dick to trans people, and there I was. Just tripping right over Just it. Just tripping right over that bar. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hell World 2020. Hell World 2020, indeed. It is 2020. Not much has per- changed in the past 20 years. <laughs> Society has stagnated. Yeah. It's like Rent came out in the 90s and everybody was like, that's good. That's like a yeah, big leap forward. We don't enough. need anything else. Oh. Like, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. And there's going to be a non-binary character on Star Trek. I did see that. Um, and a trans character. Well, a like, trans character, yeah. I, I don't know why they put, like, they acted like one of those things wasn't also the other. But it's like, it's nice that there are two trans characters in Star Trek, I guess is what we'll say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, binary trans person and non-binary person are both trans people, but, you know, of, we're different flavors. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's good good to see them both. 
and uh, we'll see we'll see how that uh, s- story is handled. Um, is yeah. all I can say about that. I don't know. I haven't been watching uh, the latest Star Trek series. Have you all? Um, we're we're not caught up on uh, Discovery. We've we got about like halfway through the first season, and then didn't continue like we started watching other things and haven't gone back to it Mm. um i don't know we're planning on going back to it because i think we've been kind of liking it right yeah like it's kind of okay i think a lot of things um so yeah so we started watching discovery it didn't hook us um the way some other shows like we were also like re-watching cora we're also watching schitt's creek Mm. um there's been a fucked like all the YouTubers suddenly got like very productive yeah. uh, within the last week. And it was like Sarah Zed and philosophy tube and Patrick Willems. It was like, everybody had like let like released a video. Um, so I think we like stopped watching discovery for a while just cause there was so many other things to catch up on, but this has to say that it's bad. And I've heard that the second season, like my sibling was like the second season is a lot better. Um, but it won't make sense if you haven't seen the first season. So we were like, okay, well, we'll, we'll like slog through the first season. Um, we did see Lower Decks, which I think we talked about last time. Um, Nick's like messing with my microphone. Sorry. It so. was, it was like looking like it was about to turn off. Oh, okay. So, um, but we did, we did watch, we did watch Lower Decks to, we haven't watched we it since that. the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, and then we like we haven't watched that since the first episode. So, eh, eh. Niche more. Yeah, I haven't really watched much except for uh, my sister and I finished uh, finished Legend of Korra. Um, mm. Oh, nice. So we finished season two. So I guess we could talk about that. Okay. So yeah, you're half, halfway through. to finish? No, we finished it. We I, did finish season I think. two. Maybe uh, we're on the last episode. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. All so right. So we could talk about the first two seasons of Korra. We haven't watched any of the YouTube videos that um, you've been recommending yet. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, we're going to watch all four and then all four seasons and then go back and rewatch. That's um, a good idea. Yeah, because I, I think the ones that I was sending out in the world were like, even the first episode about season one had spoilers about the other seasons. So yeah, but yeah, which I don't know, like Nick hasn't, um, like I've seen all four seasons. It's just, I haven't seen all I've, I haven't rewatched them since they were released. Yeah. Um, the first go around. So I'm like, I kind of remember stuff. Um, but also huge swaths of my twenties are a mystery to me <laughs> because of depression blackouts. Cause that's a real thing apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's been interesting, like rewatching it. I was like, Oh, that happens in this season. Um, like the when, like she fucks up the avatar. Um, I guess we're getting the spoiler territory for, for a show that came out that ended like five years ago. Um, but like, when she like somehow like the the avatar link gets fucked up in the final battle of last of the second season mm-hmm. and um she no longer like has a connection to her past lives yeah and i was like man that happened in the second season like i feel like for some reason i thought that that happened a way later and i thought that that was tied um specifically to the third season villain um 
but I was wrong. Yeah. So, um, that season is fucking wild. <laughs> season two? Season two. Like, season one is really tight. Mm. Until you get to the last three episodes, and they were clearly like, oh, shit. Yeah. We're going to have more seasons? Oh, whoops. I don't think they even realized that in the last three episodes, which is what makes the pacing for season one, like, even weirder. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they get told, they got told, like, halfway or three quarters of the way of airing season one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like, huh. it was yeah. it was pretty, like, late. It was certainly, like, after they had started airing that they were like, yeah, no, we'll renew you guys. It was after they started and, airing it. It was, yeah. and then in season two, it was while they were still like almost finished writing it. They, or almost finished making it. They learned about seasons four and five, or three and five, three, and uh, three and four, three and four, three and four. And then there was like also, and then yeah, and then it was like three and four get really wild because um, they start off being like on the regular Nickelodeon network and then they get pushed online Mm -hmm. and then they're like, well, we're online. Can we be a little more like a little more adult, like a little more risque? And they're like, no, it's still Nickelodeon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So so like that shit's, that shit's wild. Yeah. Like it is. And I think we talked about this last time as well, or I know we've certainly talked about it in person. Um, Just the fact that it's like, you know, you don't, like, we don't need to have a, a live-action remake of Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Um, that show is it's pretty much almost perfect. It's really, really good. People who aren't going to watch it because it's, like, a cartoon, I feel like don't deserve to watch it as a live-action. <laughs> um, but, like, I feel like Korra... Deserves a second shot. Korra absolutely, like, of the two franchises, Korra absolutely deserves a second shot. And, like, and it's also, like, if you wanted sexy teen Avatar where they're all fucking each other, and holy shit, do they all fuck each other. I'm sorry. (laughs) They were clearly fucking. (laughs) All of them. We, my sister and I had uh, nicknames for the the two brothers, Um, so... Mako, I came up with the nickname of Fuck Up because he's he's a fuck up. Aww. Really? Because Mako seems to be like the only competent character in the show. He fucks up dating and then he becomes a cop. Yeah. But then he's like, when there's shit happening in season two, he's like the only person that like figures out what's going on. That's true. But you'll see what happens also. Um, and then I, I, I do p- fully believe that he, because I know everyone hates him, but like in season two, I'm like, it's like Mako and friends. Like he's the one that's doing stuff. And then Bolin, uh, my sister, nicknamed Himbo. Uh, yeah. He is a Himbo, but he's the best Himbo. Bolin feels like he should be in a different show. Oh yeah. What type of yeah. show should he be in? I not not this one. <laughs> he feels like he fits better with the original Avatar. Uh, he he would if it weren't like I feel like Bolin is just like flanderized Sokka. Mm. Like if you took Sokka and like surgically removed all of his character traits other than being kind of goofy, like that that's Bolin. <laughs> He is, like, Sokka without, like, Sokka's, like, it's it's heavily, I, maybe not even implied. Like, I feel like it's directly shown in the show that, like, 
Sokka is like like a planning and engineering yeah. genius. Like, like he's, he's not a bender, but he is incredibly intelligent when it comes to like mm-hmm. mechanical engineering and planning. And so, and that's kind of like his big redeeming factor, I think, as a character. Um, and it's something that gets slowly developed over the seasons. Yeah. And Bolin is like Sokka in the sense that he just doesn't, he's just not very smart. <laughs> it's like Sokka, but what if he was just season one dumb as a rock? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, like, what if he just doesn't change? And, um, but, but at the, like, it's so endearing. I don't know. Fuck you. Like, I love my himbo. <laughs> He's just adorable. Like he just wants a girlfriend, and he's like ripped. Oh like, yeah, he is ripped to sh- like. Well, it's all that pro bending. Shredded, yeah, yeah. No, and it's like he's very attractive. He just kind of has like a round, dumb himbo face, <laughs> and so like nobody takes him seriously as a romantic prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, man, like he is, he is hot. <laughs> like, anyway, yeah. and he's friends and with the like, animals. Yeah, yeah, like he's adorable in his own way, and um, yeah, and that's that. Yeah, that's the other thing too. It's like they're all adults. Like after season, really after season one, like they are all adults. Like they're all, you know, eighteen and up. Mm-hmm. Like barely legal, <laughs> barely legal. Avatars. I think I think so one or just, two of them might know. be like 17 in the early seasons, but by season four, no, they're definitely all adults. Oh yeah. Cause she ends the show at like 20, something like that. Yeah. We looked it She's up like a 20 or 21. Yeah. Um, by the end of the se- series. So yeah, like it, it definitely deserves a second, second shot. If you wanted to cash in on this sort of like fantasy, if you want to cash in on the fantasy train, <laughs> you know, if you want to get yourself another Witcher Netflix, like, mm-hmm. I think read you Korra. Yeah. Um, and, there, and the other thing, too, is, like, the ideas that are in Korra are really smart and really interesting. You know, like, the equalist of the first season, like, that's a really fascinating villain. And I wish... I wish that... Like, I... Yeah. If, it's one of those things where, like, had they known from the get that like they were going to have four seasons i could have seen amon being the big bad over the course of four seasons yeah the- you know like introduce like like the plot with the spirits in season 1 and then like he slowly like don't you see how these benders are like fucking all this shit up like they almost caused a civil war we can like we can trace all the bending like all the wars in history back to bending you know and slowly building and then at the end because like that last episode you know the last episode of season one it's very much like a cap yeah like it's like she gets the boy she gets her bending back she learns how to give other people their bending back like she find you know she finally learns to become start becoming a more spiritual self, um, like all of that shit happens in the last episode of the first season. Like that is like, I don't know. So I feel you know it feels like a series finale. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, um, again, that's we've talked about. That's what it was intended to be. But yeah, yeah, and so you know it's so, I think had and then like that's what you could do with a 
Netflix live action reimagining is you could learn from the mistakes of the first one if you knew like we're going to make this three seasons or whatever and then and then breadcrumb it you know breadcrumb Amon throughout the series and and the the thing about the equalists and this kind of gets brought up in the videos that I was sending out to you um is that like they don't really get their time to be the kind of interesting force that they could be because yeah. like they yeah. have a legitimate concern and yeah and, no they have legitimate grievances like after after season one like what's the one concession they get oh there's elections now and the government <laughs> is not made up of five benders from foreign countries uh, yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, well, the UN sanction has ended, and uh, we get to have elections now. But what else yeah, has and, been done? Nothing really, as far as we can tell. Um, and in season two, you know, and in season two, like it's a very clear cut. Like Amon was kind of right, mm-hmm. you know. Like if they didn't have benders, they wouldn't have opened up the spirit portal, and all that shit wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and a civil war. Like, they had a civil fucking war in the second season. And they had everyone's favorite uh, everyone's favorite war profiteer, Varric, uh, yeah. being, being a goofball. Yeah, and I feel like that's something that should have been... That That's something that, like, deserves a re-examination. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for those of us who watch the show, who are, like... Who, like, I remember watching Avatar when I was in high school, middle school, high school. And I remember, like, watching Korra in my 20s. And it's, like, it is that very, you know, like, I hate to say it. Like, I hate to beat a dead horse. But, it, like, in a lot of ways, like, our generation is defined by, like, like, like we, we have seen what war profiteering does to a nation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like our entire the war economy, child. Like our entire lives have been, <laughs> yeah, dominated by war economy. And I think like having a more thoughtful reexamination of a character like Varric, and even like of um, of Asami. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that warrants a second glance too. So. Yeah, and and like. Again, going back to the these videos, I'm gonna to try to find the the links that I I put out there because there I think that every if you've seen all of Legend of Korra, I think you should check these out. It's a series called like the Ideologies of uh, of Korra or something like that. I think it's like politics bending. Yeah, yeah politics yeah. bending. And um, like each and it's like season one they talk about communism and season two, season two yeah is uh, colonialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll get through it. Nick hasn't seen all four seasons. Yeah. So, see, yeah, but um, but again, like it talks about how how the creators are, of course, coming at it from like a neoliberal capitalist perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's the perspective that they it's, portray as the good guys in yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, it's very obvious with the equalists, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like. It was bothering me. It it was like, um, it was like when we talked about bright, mm-hmm. and we're like, if you think about this metaphor for like more than five minutes, it doesn't actually work <laughs> the way that you think it does. Which which is why when we had like our panel that nobody showed up to about uh, 
rebellions in media Mm -hmm. and like we were talking about the equalists and i was like well they present themselves as like a communist analog but it's really more of like an ethnic tension kind of thing yeah that's exactly what i was well it's and it's beyond that too because like like we see in in that first season literally this society runs on bending right Mm -hmm. like Like now that we've got electric power, everything in in the Avatar world, we see Mako gets a job down at the power plant, like shooting lightning at the generators. Yeah. So it's like, without bending, there's no electricity. Mm -hmm. Like you're back to the Stone Age. (laughs) Like literally everything in this society has been created around bending, and so it's like it's it's kind of becomes very muddled because like, honestly, it's becoming more of like a, like a KKK analog. It's like, Oh man, America just for white people. But like without black people, America doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Like this society has literally been built on the backs of black people like and there is like it it but it it doesn't it doesn't work as that either um because benders are the people in the higher position of like power so you're like what are you actually trying to say here like because ultimately what it comes down to is that if you want any sort of like equality with someone that has been born by like accidentally born with something that you lack whether it be generational wealth or bending that it's bad to like want to see that equalized at some point yeah but also you know you need the people with the generational wealth because they're the makers in society like they're the people that society has been based around it's like the fuck is this metaphor actually (laughs) saying it's it's trying to use like tried old uh like anti-communist propaganda mm-hmm. the idea that like uh wealth can't be redistributed it's just it's just destroyed whenever yeah. whenever com- com- communists come to power there's no way to to possibly redistribute that power or wealth um because with bending you really can't but yeah it's kind of trying to be a stand-in for that wealth. Um, And so the whole metaphor just falls apart. If you know absolutely anything about, you know, anything, capitalism, communism, dialectical materialism, like, fuck it. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's just, um... but despite the shortcomings of that, I still enjoy Legend of Korra. Um, for, you know, the setting of it and for the, the characters that are, are there. Um, I don't know. I, I might, I'm finding myself in a bit of a minority in that opinion, but I enjoy Legend of Korra, uh, even understanding that it has flaws, uh, big ones, that, again, a retelling, a live-action yeah. retelling, might help to address. I see the, the what they were trying to go for, and, like, I am trying to be very, um, like, generous in the sense of they didn't have as much time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I I think that if they knew from the get-go that it, there would be four seasons, it would be a much 
stronger series overall, but as it is, like, I don't know. Season one is, is like, way tighter. Um, But even then, like, a lot of it... We were talking about this, I think. I don't think we were talking about it on the podcast, but Elisa and I were talking about it as we were finishing up season one. Mm -hmm. um, Where... She was talking, at least was saying, well, it's, you know, it's a tournament arc in an anime, but like it's way shorter than most tournament arcs. And what I like, I didn't think of it that way before, but it, it kind of made it almost like make less sense for it to be in there <laughs> because the whole purpose behind having a tournament arc is to show off what the individual characters are able to do. So like introduce you to your characters and show off their like unique capabilities but, like, in Legend of Korra, you've just got the three characters who are doing pro-bending who are of any significance whatsoever. And if you've watched Avatar at all, you know what they can do. <laughs> like, we've, got an earth, like, we've got the Avatar, an Earthbender, and a Firebender. And you know what those things look like. So it just... It, it's very strange, like oh. how much of that season is devoted to that. Although, to be to be fair to the the forms of bending, if you wanted to use it as a way to showcase bending, the bending that's utilized in the uh, pro bending is fairly different from the more traditional martial arts style bending of uh, Avatar. It's it's, it's somewhat different, it's somewhat but it's different. like, but it's it's kind of. Uh, a weird mishmash and one of the things that uh that i do enjoy and this this happens in avatar as well uh, like like last airbender as well as Korra, mm-hmm. is you'll see characters that are using one form of bending to bend a different element yeah and there's some of that going on in pro bending too uh, because there's benders of different you know flavors all having to work together um, so i don't know Counter, that, that was just a point I had to make. Continue on. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, I was just, but I was just saying, like, a lot of that first season gets dedicated to it, and really, like, the only thing that that contributes to the story, other than giving the, like, it gives the main character a reason to care about these other characters, but like, she cared about them before she joined the team, also. Like, she just kind of sees them and is instantly, like, interested in Mako. Um, And then uh, it also gives you some, like, it gives some stakes to those last few episodes. But, like, it could also, like, that could have, those stakes could have been built up in the same way without focusing so much on bending itself as, like, this a huge part of the series. Mm -hmm. Like oh, my friends are in the tournament. Like, even if she wasn't a third person on the team, my friends are in the tournament, let's go watch them play. And then... uh, And then the Equalists show up. Like, that still has the same level of stakes without focusing so much of the series on this game. Um, But even in spite of that, like, I thought that... We and we kept commenting on it while we were watching it. Like mm. season two, is like all over the place. Oh yeah, and just season like, two is rough. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very like um, 
what's the problem with season two? <laughs> like, like they're the throwing total... a lot of ideas at you very quickly, and none of them really have time to sit before they move on to the next. Well, and mm-hmm. it's also like, like season one does have some tone issues. Yeah. Um, especially when you have like the younger kids interacting with the teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have fucking like the second season is all over the place right. tonally. It's like you have this really like you have Cora's arc that's like really deep and introspective where she goes and meets like the first avatar and you get all of this like wonderful world building and history of the of the show. And then like on the way opposite side you have Bolin <laughs> getting dragged into a um a forced industry. marriage with Aubrey Plaza playing emo, <laughs> emo water pr- princess. Like it's who who becomes a villain what? for a bit, and then and becomes then a it? hero. Like it's so wild. Like it's so all over the place. And then you have Varric, and then like the movers, and like the whole all the movies that like that whole thing comes into play. Yeah. During and that, the and plotting in Republic City, and then the actual civil war in the South, and yeah, it's it's all over. Yeah, and it's not even like it's it's not and the stuff with Berlin. It's like they recognize that they need some reprieve because overall, I mean, that's a it's really a very dark dark season. season. Um, but they they just they turn the comedy up so much that it's it's ridiculous. Like it, I don't know. It's 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 a mess. Like the tone, the tone of season two is such a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they don't explore the fact that it's like her villain, like the villain is her uncle, you know, and these are her cousins, and her, like he really fucked over her dad. Like, I, like there's so many things that that are just like it's such a dump, and then you have the uh, it's such a dump of ideas and stories, like Nick was saying. Um, you have like the the detective noir that like Mako is a part of because he's trying to figure out like who's been plotting again. I actually like that. That was honestly like my... that's probably like the stronger part of this season, but it's so incongruous with everything it, else that's fucking happening. It, it also, I don't know. I I didn't buy the way that um, Beifong was characterized in that season where it's like she wasn't willing to explore those options when like in the previous season, she's like the kind of per she was going to be the kind of person who was like, yeah, I will go off the reservation and like do what I need to do if, if it seems appropriate. And so like the fact that she wasn't even willing to like entertain these ideas, it seemed very strange to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like a, just a way of stretching that storyline out, but it didn't seem in character. Um, and the, I, I I realized most of the way through the 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 spiritual journey part of it, like one of the big things that I think is a problem with this series versus Last Airbender is the fact that they did try to make um, Korra so different from Aang where Aang was, you know, very in touch with his spirituality, but like 
not necessarily struggled with the physicality of of bending, but like he did have to work a lot harder to learn more of the elements than Korra mm-hmm. did. Is that um, it's easier to show, at least through like an action anime, it's easier to show physical progress as opposed to spiritual progress. Like, as Last Airbender goes on, you see Aang's progress because he learns the other elements. Um, whereas uh, Korra knows most of the elements at the beginning, she does have to struggle to learn airbending in season one. Mm-hmm. But then after season one, she knows how to do all of the elements. So it's just, okay, it's a matter of like, um, connecting with her spiritual side, which, as Elise pointed out earlier, like she does at the end of season one. Like there's that moment where it's like, oh, well, this is the completion of her arc. But no, because we like she still has to have an arc in season two, so it's the same arc again. But this time, you know, it's different. And then you realize that you've got two more seasons of she has to learn how to be the Avatar in terms of the spiritual aspect of that, but she knows how to do all the bending and she like is now disconnected from her past lives. So she's got to go through the spiritual side of it again, but in a different aspect of it, it just seems to be like, it it is part of the problem coming from, um, not knowing that they were going to have four seasons, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's a problem that I see in a lot of things where it's like, oh, we want this to be a franchise, but we don't know if it's going to take off where you just kind of repeat the main character's arc. Um, but more exaggerated, Hmm? but more exaggerated to to fill it out again further. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it is a harder arc to like get invested in, in, in the case of Korra versus Aang, Mm -hmm. where Aang's arc is it's easier to see um, and Korra's isn't. Uh, So it's just, it's, and I think the show as a whole suffers because of that. Mm -hmm. I also realized watching it that the actual avatar is my, usually my least favorite part of avatar. (laughs) Like I usually like all the other ancillary characters more. Um, And is that the, the case here too? Huh? Is that the case here as well? I, I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. um, but like I, I feel, I feel like the characters just aren't as like the villains are stronger mm-hmm. in Korra, but like Team Avatar isn't as interesting. And I think again that's a that's a problem of. Well, we made one season, oh, we get another season. What do we do with these characters? We have to have the same characters. <laughs> and like Bolin clearly has very little to actually do in season two. Yeah. Um, Poor Bolin kind of gets uh, left behind a lot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, from what I understand, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm holding out hope <laughs> that <laughs> I will like it more as it goes on. Yeah. From, I will from, say like, like I think I've said many times before, mm-hmm. Each season, maybe with the exception of two, but each season after gets better than the one before. Yeah. Um, so season three, I think, is very good. Season four, I think, is really good, especially 
continuing on what was set up in season three. So I look forward to hearing back uh, when you've seen more. Um, but yeah, season, season two... One of the things that it's like, yeah, it has more seasons, but each season has fewer episodes. Yeah. So there's actually less content of Korra than Avatar, um, which, you know, could be a good thing or a bad thing for a potential remake. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you don't have to necessarily worry about filling time, filler episode, especially if it's a remake today where it'll all just be released at once, probably. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So you wouldn't have to worry about having filler episodes, um, but also as a result, it means that you have to have these arcs go at kind of a quicker pace, uh, and you don't necessarily have time in those filler episodes to develop them as well. So it's, it's a weird trade-off that you could kind of go with, uh, one or the other. Um, so yeah, we finished, we finished season two, moving on to season three. Um, and we haven't been catching up with, with some of our... Well, we're most of the way done with Shit's Creek. That continues to be pretty funny. Mm -hmm. uh, in that, like, if you if you like that kind of cringy, like, oh man, this is so awkward kind of humor, <laughs> um, it does that pretty well. We watched the new um, Bill and Ted. Yeah, that's what I was moving oh, to. Oh, well, fuck, yeah, I want to watch that too. <laughs> We watch so so. Elise had never seen Bogus Journey. No, okay. So you so watched we watch we watched Bogus Journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday, and then we watched um, Face the Music last night. How uh, was it? It was good. Okay. Uh, I, I I liked it. Um, I think it's a little bit better than Bogus Journey. Okay. But there's like there's in my mind there's a big step down in quality from Excellent Adventure to Bogus Journey. Like, Bogus Journey is still fun, but, like, that movie loses a lot since there isn't as much of the time travel aspect in it. Mm -hmm. um, I like the, the interaction between Bill and Ted and Death in the <laughs> second movie. Yeah. Um, and that it, like, that's certainly the best part of it, but you have to slog through a lot of that movie to get to it. <laughs> um, but then... I, I think that uh, Face the Music kind of takes the best parts of both of the previous movies and, like, kind of puts them together with, with like, new spin. Honestly, I feel like this is what... And I don't want to go too far into it because I am afraid I'll spoil it. But I feel like this movie is what a lot of people wanted the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot to be like. Mm. Does that make sense to you, Elise? Where, like, you're still incorporating the original characters, but Well, then... like, the new characters are also very important. Yeah. Yeah. That... Yeah, no. Okay, so I think it's... I think you're talking to apples and oranges, honestly. I, 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 I know it's so... not, a, the like, the most fair comparison, but, like, when we okay. were done watching it, I, I kind of had that thought. Okay, so, like, hear me out here. Here's, here's the thing with the 2016... The 2016 Ghostbusters. Mm. Um, so the original Ghostbusters was very much made for adults. Yeah. Like it's an adult comedy. That's true. Um, and the 2016 one is made for children. Um, and it's specifically made for Gen Xers to show elder millennials and younger Gen Xers to share something from their childhood 
with their own children. Um, so that's number one. Number two, the 2016 Ghostbusters was supposed to be like a reboot yeah. and not a sequel. And right. Face the Music is very much a sequel. And it's not really, it's not a reboot. It's like, not. It's, it's you're not. right. You're right. I um, mean, they, they do kind of, they retcon some stuff from Bogus Journey. Uh, not that much. Oh, I'm sorry. Stuff? That was probably me getting an email oh. um, that I forgot to silence. Anyway, so, so, but here's, here's the other thing with the 2016 Ghostbusters. I think it very much, I think there were a lot of people who, because of the fact that it was a reboot starring women, yeah. were just not going to like it because they're fucking misogynist. That's true. And you can't separate that out <laughs> and say, like, well, this is what people were expecting. Like, no. Those assholes were never going to be satisfied because how dare four very, very funny women replace four men. Right. Like, that's... And and the thing is, is, like, the 2016 Ghostbusters is actually pretty smart in a lot of places and apparently the director it, it got cut down a lot yeah um and the director's cut is what was supposed to be released and then it wasn't released because they were like oh this movie is for kids you got to cut it down um because they're not going to sit through like you know two hours of film and um so if you if you watch the director's cut it's it's actually like a really really solid movie but it suffers a lot of backlash um because of misogynist and because of poor marketing and because of um, like having like somebody having to cut down their their artistic vision. So I really think it's an apples and oranges situation. Whereas Face the Music is, it's a pretty, sh- it's a it's a straight up fucking sequel. Yeah. Um, to Bogus Journey, and even the things that they retcon, like, I mean, I guess like at the end of Bogus Journey, they have, um, it's implied that they had two sons, and in Face the Music, they're two daughters, but. I, I don't really think of that as a retcon. Trans representation. I'm talking more about like the the fact that like the end of of Bogus Journey very much implies that Wild Stallions have saved the world. World peace is here. They did it, and then they kind of have to walk it back at the start of uh, Face the Music, where it's like, okay, it didn't actually like. It, but it, all of those things happened. Right. All of those things happened. It just didn't achieve the same end that you thought it did. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of um, achieving world peace, it, it was just, like, it launched them into stardom. Which, I mean, you know, that's fair, honestly. Like, I, I don't know. I... So, I, I don't know. I don't think it really... I don't think it truly retconned. I think it was good. Yeah. Like, it was, it was fun. I wish the daughters were a little more developed. I don't know. I think the, um, so Bill or like, I think her name is Wilhelmina and they call her Bill or B, um, is Keanu Reeves daughter. I think she's perfectly cast. Like she does look like a young female version of Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially from his matrix days. Like she really <laughs> does look like him. Um, I think Ted's, I think the casting of Ted's daughter was a little off. Mm-hmm. Um, she tends to drop the like California dude accent. Like she drops that in her performance more often um, than Bill does. Yeah. 
Um, so I think like of that pairing, she's the weaker two and it, weaker of the two, and it kind of sucks because she's given more lines <laughs> um, because of the two actresses, she's the more famous one. Mm. Um, so they lean more heavily on her, and I'm like, I don't think that was the correct choice. Um, but like, it follows two storylines. I think both storylines are pretty much given equal weight. Yeah, and I think there would be people who who. I could imagine a reviewer saying like, because they split the two storylines, it's not as strong as it could be, or things aren't as developed as they could be. But, you know, we know Bill and Ted as characters right? um, and we have for a really long time. So yeah, like it's, I I don't know. I think it's fine. Um, I wish we had spent more time with the daughters. I thought that they were interesting and I thought, yeah, but like overall, um, they were definitely, it's it's very much a family film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is one of those things where it's like, you're supposed to, you're supposed to watch this with your kids. Um, and, and so because of that, like they really put a, a time caps or like a, a time cap on their movie. If that makes sense. They were like, Oh, we got to get, we like an hour and 30 minutes. It's gotta be. Yeah. It's, it, it can't be any longer than Which, that. I mean, I'll put it like this. So, first of all, like, I say this as someone who is a lifelong fan of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, Bill and Ted are not the most developed characters in the world, <laughs> nor do they have to be. <laughs> and that is, like, kind of the charm of the movie, is that these two people are extraordinarily simple, and they are dealing with, like, these vast... Like, these these dealings of cosmic importance and, like, meeting some of the most famous people in history, and that's kind of the joke. Yeah. Um. And And they do the same thing with the daughters in this, like... The daughters are a little bit, like, I wouldn't say smarter, but, like, they've got, they have Music is their special interest. Right. Yeah, music is their special interest. That's exactly right. Like, where Bill and Ted were, like, into music, like, their daughters are, like, know everything about music, Mm -hmm. like, throughout all time. Um, Well, yeah. Which ends up being extraordinarily important to the film. Uh, but like, other than that, they're basically this, they're very similar characters with the, the similar kind of dynamic. So it's like, you don't really have to develop them very much either. You have like the scenes of the opening where it's like, oh, they really love their dads and they also really love music and know a lot about music. And that's really all you need to know about them for the rest of the movie to make sense. Um... And the, the other thing that I'll say about it in terms of being a family movie, I, that that is true. But Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey <laughs> were both rated PG. And this movie was rated PG-13. Which I think is just like, but that was also like the 80s and the, the 90s. Like true. nobody yeah. knew what to, la- like isn't Jurassic Park like PG? Jurassic Park is PG thirteen. Oh, it is. Sure. I don't know. It was like there's some other there are some other films in the eighties where you're like really like this gets a PG. Well, like, this gets a... a a lot of them were um, from before PG thirteen was invented. Yeah. But Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was from after. But it got PG thirteen. But, but it got PG. Oh, it got PG. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, and I think people are just I don't know. I think 
if you haven't, if you've gotten to the year of 2020 and you haven't watched, um, this film is not yet rated. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like a a large part of your edification on films (laughs) in America is, is missing. Um, but yeah, like, like we have gotten, not like we have gotten, but the people, the suburban soccer moms who rate movies have swung more conservative in recent years. Yeah. And like that has been steadily building since the Obama administration and peaked in 2016 when 40% of white ladies voted for Trump. So, and these are the same bitches that are rating your movies. Um, <laughs> so, which is incredibly problematic. And so that's why I think something like Bill and Ted face the music got a fucking PG 13. Right. Um, which is ridiculous. If you watch that movie, you're like, it's, it is way more of a, it is uh, like a, yeah, way more of a family movie. Like it is, it is truly PG, but because squeamish soccer bomb, soccer moms, you voted for fucking Trump, rate your movies. This is what you get. Um, I also yeah, don't know yeah. necessarily how much people pay attention to the difference between PG and PG-13 now anyway. That's true. Like, it could also be partly that the the meanings of anything under R have kind of blended to the point where you I don't, might not. I don't even remember the last time I was aware of a movie coming out that was rated PG, so that's an excellent point, too. Mm-hmm. Um. It's all. It's always either like G or PG or PG thirteen. I want to say there's a lot of like franchise. Not. I want to say there's like Disney. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like there's like a specific like franchise. Um, I think DreamWorks. I think it's DreamWorks where like all of their movies are rated PG. Mm. And it's like that's what that category is made for. It's made for like Despicable Me, right? Um, <laughs> like where it's it's a kids movie, but if you squint, there might be a dick joke somewhere in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess the B that's movie. Fair. It's like that's what needs to be rated PG. But then it's like, yeah, there's so many things like Pirates of the Caribbean got rated PG thirteen. Like yeah. it's, I don't know. Uh, that's understandable. Like, there's, there's, there's violence and skeletons and stuff in those movies. I, we just need to chuck all the soccer moms that rate our movies like into the ocean <laughs> or get them like I don't know. Maybe if we got them all high on like uh, MDMA, we'd realize <laughs> that other people had feelings. Um, <laughs> like sex isn't bad. I don't know. Um, I wonder if that was like the other reason. But then it, like there's something so like weirdly wholesome about Bill and Ted. Yeah. Like in the second movie in Bogus in Bogus Journey. Yeah. Um where like their girlfriends they like they they like propose to their girlfriends and they're like, our girls are most chaste and they like they don't you know, pressure them into having sex. And that's how, you know, it's evil Bill and Ted is because Mm -hmm. like they tried to take advantage of the princesses and, you know, considering like the other like late teen, uh, like late eighties, early nineties teen movies that came out, like consent is a very low bar, (laughs) but somehow like 90% of your favorite, like uh, brat pack movies um, don't clear it. Uh, for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. I, I also, I appreciate how that same thing kind of 
goes on to uh, face the music. Cause like in Bogus Journey, there's a gag where they're like, um, they think that the princesses have broken up with them. And so they're like drowning their sorrows in cans of Pepsi. <laughs> and, and then in uh, face the music, there's the thing about like, um, there's like a bad timeline for Bill and Ted where they lose everything. And the to- the Ted in that timeline, like, uh, Ted is talking about how he's he starts drinking too much, and then uh, Bill's like, "But dude, you don't drink at all." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's how I know I've been drinking too much. <laughs> yeah, like they're just, you know, and it's like even if, like, like I know they're literal princesses, but I just kind of like the idea of everybody like walking around and being like, "No, they just they call their wives princesses." Like, I don't think they went back in time. They just, you know, they just, that's how they think of their wives. Like, it's, it's a very wholesome, wholesome relationship. Yeah. yeah no, you know, it's, it's great. It's nice. Um, it is, it is a really, it's a really sweet movie. I, 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 it's been a while since I laughed as hard at a movie as I had in like the first 15 minutes of Face the Music. The rest of it is pretty funny, but like those first fifteen minutes those, are really good, <laughs> especially if you're like a lot like a long time fan like I am. Mm-hmm. Because the first fi- I'm not going to spoil it, but if you're familiar with the character of Missy from Bill mm-hmm. and Ted's Excellent Adventure, yeah, the first fifteen minutes center around her okay. and another and another returning character, and it is so fucking hilarious. <laughs> And then uh, it goes from that to, like, it starts with Bill and Ted giving a speech at at an event for Missy. uh, And then going into performing their latest song, which involves Tibetan throat singing, a theremin, (laughs) a a fucking, like, trumpet solo. It's great. It is... I want to watch this even more now. Um, yeah. No, and, it's, yeah. it's really good. And it's on, we got it on Voodoo. Voodoo. Yeah. So um, since I didn't own a copy of uh, Bogus Journey and I wanted at least to see it before we watched the new one, we went to Voodoo and they had like a three pack of all three movies uh, digitally for like 30 bucks, mm. which I think the new one, if you wanted to buy just the new one by itself is like. 25 or something like that so yeah we might so rent know, it yeah. we might yeah. rent it more than buying it that's oh, fair I, it is definitely something that i wanted to own because mm-hmm. like i love those movies um and i kind of want to go back now because it's been a bit since i watched excellent adventure i think the last time we i, I watched oh, it was, God, with it was you. like a couple of years ago at yeah because you had never seen it. that yeah. either yeah i hadn't seen that's <laughs> excellent adventure <laughs> Uh, yeah and you forget there's some there's some problematic things in those movies but yeah as i but the new one no they they, they, like it's it's very good the first two movies have a like develop a running gag involving the the f word and not fuck but the bad one Mm. um and and it's not in face the music at all which i appreciated but when watching bogus journey yeah i had this realization of like even the way they use that is kind of subversive and like because it is 
the the punchline of that joke isn't haha gay people are funny the punchline of the joke is these two men like really care for each other but toxic masculinity makes it so that they can't actually express it mm. do you know what i'm talking about I, Alex? yeah I, I know what you're talking about i remember okay. yeah yeah so like for those if you don't um, there's a part in Bill and Ted's Excellent, Excellent Adventure where Bill thinks Ted is dead, um, and then Ted comes out and they they hug each other, and then they step back from the hug and they call each other the f word and uh, everybody laughs. Um, and there's a similar joke in Bogus Journey, and I can't remember the the setup for it now, but it's something similar to that. Yeah. And then they they end up hugging each other, and it's the same thing. And it's like, it's, it, it is still kind of funny. Like the word itself isn't funny, but the idea of like, because I don't know, I, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving the writers too much credit, but I really do see the joke as being, the joke is that these guys are so dumb that they can't under like they can't properly express their love for each other, even though it is obvious and like every frame of those movies mm -hmm. that these two men like love each other as brothers mm -hmm. and like hugging is a very natural part of that. Um, and so the joke is more on them for not being able to like express that emotion than it is for them feeling that emotion. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that, that makes sense to me, I guess I, I, I would prefer if they hadn't used the word, but it was also 1989. So, mm -hmm. like, those movies, th those words were in, like, G-rated films. Like, isn't there something yeah. like that in um, uh, in E.T.? I feel like... Yeah, I think... I don't know. I don't know for sure, but... I know Penis Breath I is also, in E.T. I really like... Um, I really like how Bill and Tide presents male friendship without queer baiting. Yeah. And even if you didn't have, like, the princesses there, but, like, the princesses aren't there for them to be like, and they're straight, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it is truly, like, it's, it's male friendship without queer baiting, which in the year of our Lord 2020 is uh, really refreshing. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that is, I don't know, that's like a, like, like, think about, like, Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherlock falls into that trap. Supernatural falls into that trap. Mm-hmm. Um, I just anything, anything you reference on Tumblr has an example of that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It is also, and, and I do, I do love how in the new movie, they do kind of continue that. Um, and as part of like the main struggle, because like, you know, it's been like nearly 30 years and they're incapable of doing anything separate from each other, which is kind of driving their wives a little bit crazy. Um, and this isn't really a spoiler because I think this is in the trailer, but they end up at, uh, there's a scene where they're in a, a marriage counseling and they schedule their marriage counseling for like the same time. And so it's all four of them sitting in the room together. Um, <laughs> uh, and the therapist is eventually like, Ted, I, I think, th isn't there something you would like to tell your wife? And he turns to her and he's like, Elizabeth, 
Bill and I love you. <laughs> and Joanna. Yeah, and Joanna. And our daughters. Like <laughs> We love you guys. Well, isn't, isn't that just like polyamory baiting then? Or I mean not really. No? I don't I don't I don't see it that way because it's more of it's more of that Bill and Ted just don't have like identities outside of themselves, I mm. guess. Like outside of one another. Who it's is not Bill exact- without Ted? Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a joke about that and mm. like how it's funny when you're a teenager and then when you're in your 40s or 50s, <laughs> it might be a little bit more of a problem. I like that they didn't cast like 30-year-olds or 25-year-olds as their wives. It was a little bit... That, like, that was one thing that we got a little upset about at the beginning because we did realize that those parts had been recast. Well, they were recast between the, the first two movies. Too, right, and I didn't... That was the thing that I hadn't realized mm-hmm. was that like that was always the case. It was still a little bit of a problem because... Um, like, I was looking at the ages of those actresses, and it's like, well, one of them was 10 when the first movie came out, and the other was 13. So it's like... But even, like, they're, the age differences. It's like a 10 or 15-year uh, no, age difference. I don't even think it's that. No, it is. Yeah. It is. Because, oh, like, okay. um, Keanu Reeves and uh, Alex Winter were both born in the 60s, and both of these women were born in the late 70s. Mm, damn it. Yeah. So it's still, it's not, that part's not great. Especially considering, and I did, I I looked it up, both of the women who played the princesses in the first movie were older than Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. So if anything, they should have gone with with slightly older women to play their wives. Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't, like, incredibly inappropriate casting. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... And it kind of makes sense given, like, the themes of the movie that they wouldn't have gone with someone super duper young. But still, like, you know, we're looking at, like, Keanu Reeves is in, like, in his late 50s. No, he's he's 56. I just looked up. He's 56. 56? Okay. Yeah. I thought Um, he was 58. Um, but okay, mid fifties, and his, the actress playing his wife is in like her early to mid forties. So it's not like it's not a terrible difference in age, but again, considering the age that they were when the first movie came out, it's a little bit weird. Um. Yeah, she's forty four. Yeah. I mean, 11, like, for Hollywood... That's true. Like, 11 isn't that bad. Like, that's almost good. All all things (laughs) considered, I suppose so. You know, like, would it have been better if they'd casted somebody who was 50? Sure. But, like, yeah, like, all things considered, it's, Or, like, find the people that played their wives and the girlfriends in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, bring them back or the ones in the second. They are still acting. Like, that was the thing that I discovered while looking at it is, like, um, I can't remember what they're in, like, like each of them has been doing recently, but, like, both of them are still acting, and, you know, not not to be, like, not to be that guy, but both of them still look, like, really good. <laughs> like, um, 
And it was, so it would totally work because, like, you know, Keanu Reeves, at least, in in, in his 50s, is also a, still a very handsome man. So it's not like... Yeah. yeah. It's not like it would even be that big of a deal, yeah. you know? Yeah. Diane uh, Franklin, who in the first film played Princess Joanna, uh, her latest uh, film credit it was in the Amityville Murders uh, in 2018. Yeah. Oh, and okay. then... Uh, Kimberly Cates, who played uh, Princess Elizabeth, her latest uh, film credit is, uh, well, more of an executive producer on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in 2016. Uh, Wait, there was a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in 2016? Apparently. Hold Um, up, back up. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm not, I think the last time that she was on screen may have been in a movie called Highway in in 2002. But she's been producing films since then. Well, apparently Alex Winter has been, like, mostly directing in, like, the past anyway. In documentaries and children's media. Yeah, that's right. Which are, like, two very different. He he, he did a documentary about, like, the Zodiac Killer, I think. Which is like, oh, man, I kind of want to go check that out. And he has one about Frank Zappa that's coming out. Yo, Frank Zappa, that's what it was. Yeah, Yeah, that's coming out. Um... So, yeah, that, and so he apparently, like, went and took some acting lessons to prepare for this role because it's been so long since he's been, like, in front of the camera that he felt the need to go back and do some acting roles or do some acting lessons. Um, I don't know. I found that kind of funny. It's like riding a bike. You never forget. Yeah, I I guess. But, like, you still probably, you know, if it's been, like, a decade or two. Like, cause apparently I do wow. like, yeah, they really like take and honestly, you know what? I think it kind of paid off because of the two, I think he was actually stronger. Really? Than Keanu I think he was stronger than Keanu. Keanu, like there were definitely moments where he was dropping the accent. I thought that there were moments when Alex, when Winter. Alex Winter was dropping the accent. Yeah. I didn't notice it with, uh, with Keanu as much. I don't know. I also... I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan, and I will see. I hadn't much. noticed. I will see anything. I loved it before it was cool. I did. Well, it was very nice of the the John Wick movies to make enough money to allow them to have him do whatever the fuck he wants. So, I mean, yeah. like forgetting the John Wick movies, like mm-hmm. the Matrix movies, mm-hmm. and like I think he is like. I mean, like, and of all, like, the lore that surrounds Keanu Reeves, it's, like, he does sound like a really just genuinely nice guy mm-hmm. who's easy to work with. Now, there is a that guy is... that... There's a guy that you could put Keanu Reeves' trans ally under and right. make more, <laughs> more sense. <laughs> right. Did you see... you? I'm assuming you saw that, right, Alex? Oh, yeah. Did you see the... No, I don't think... I so... You know, recently there was like the thing where was it Lily Wachowski? I can't remember which of the the sisters um, had the interview. I think it was Lily. Mm-hmm. Was basically like Confirming. in an interview. Yeah, in an interview, she basically recently said, "Yeah, the Matrix has always been a trans allegory." Yeah, and then like in another interview with Keanu Reeves, I'm assuming for this movie, the reporter was like, "Oh, did you hear what Lily Wachowski said about the Matrix?" and like reported that to him. He was like, "No, I haven't heard that, but that's pretty cool." 
<laughs> just sweet, wholesome Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I love him. He's so nice. It's very nice. Yeah. But he's not a great actor. He's, okay. He's, he's, I, for certain projects. I, yeah. I will say what I have always said about Keanu Reeves. If you want someone to just kind of be amazed by the things around him, he's great. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, The Matrix, and like, or if you want like a stone cold, like hardened badass, John Wick, um, Constantine even, like I think that movie is very underrated. It's not great, but it, it deserves more credit than it gets. Um, he's he's perfect for those roles. But there was there was a time where they were like, oh, let's do Keanu Reeves and oh. Shakespeare. No, but it was like, and he was also in Dracula. It's yeah. like you know, you know who's a who classically trained actor. You know who I think of when I think of <laughs> of great classic roles like Shakespeare, Bram Stoker. I think of Keanu Reeves, a Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Yeah, let's let's like, cast Sir Anthony Hopkins. Carrie Elways, Winona Ryder, and Keanu Reeves. And Keanu Reeves. And Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves. You know, like, the the much ado about nothing. like Denzel Washington. (laughs) Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Um, Uh, um, Emma. Emma Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. And Keanu Keanu Reeves. Reeves. It's like, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. In fairness, that that adaptation of of Much Ado About Nothing. It's trash. And we've discussed this on the podcast. It's not trash. It's trash. Uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh is trash in it. But I will defend Denzel Washington in that movie to the death. Oh, no. Denzel Washington and Emma Thompson are... I will... Chef's kiss. Like, I will perfectly cast. In I their will roles. also defend uh, Wilson from House in that movie. Oh, he's a very punchable Claudio. <laughs> very punchable Claudio, which is what you need in a good and, Claudio. And um, Michael Keaton as Dogberry. Yes, like, everything makes rest, sense. The rest of that movie is great. <laughs> and and Keanu Reeves is really a, is good until he opens until his he opens his mouth. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, honey. This is this is not for you. I will be um, a canker in his garden, then a rose in his hedge. As plain as day, I am a villain, dude. <laughs> God, I love it. Anyway, um, but now it seems like you know we all we all like Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, and he works hard, and he and he you know, deserves what he has in this life. I, I was, and he's not like other Hollywood actors. Like he dates somebody that is age appropriate for him. And like, even the things that he gets, he's like, Oh yeah. Like I can live off of this much. So I don't need the rest of this money. And then he just donates it. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know. I was reading a thread about him today and I've read it before, but it's always just like, I've got, I forgot about that one where like, a lot of the money he made for the Matrix, he just donated to the he he just gave to the costume designers and special effects artists because he was basically like, "You guys deserve this money way more than I do. Way more <laughs> of your work went into this movie than mine." <laughs> um, I just stood and, there, got filmed. Hmm? He just yeah. stood there and got filmed. Yeah, 
I mean, like, also, like, he is the hardest working man in Hollywood from everything that I've heard. Like, especially, like, with those John Wick movies, Mm -hmm. like, he doesn't do, like, he doesn't do the stunt double as, like, as much as he possibly can. He's the one doing those stunts. And so he will show up to train for, like, weeks before filming starts to be able to get into the shape that he needs to be to do the stuff that those movies require. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, but also just like random things, like apparently when he was filming one of the matrix movies, he went to, um, he went to go see some movie like in Australia when he was on break. Uh, and the guy who was behind the counter, like realized he was Keanu Reeves and was like, I want to give you an employee discount. And he was like, why I don't work here. (laughs) (laughs) That's so adorable. And then like a few minutes. Uh, You know who else would say that? Bill. And then a few minutes. Yeah, right. Or Ted. He's Ted. Sorry. Um, And then a few minutes later, he apparently comes back and like knocks on the door of the ticket booth. And like, like he opens it thinking it was his manager and Keanu Reeves is standing there with an ice cream cone and a receipt. And it was like, it occurred to me that you probably just wanted to give me the, uh, give me the discount so that you could get my autograph because like you needed to sign off for an employee discount. Mm. And so he signed the receipt and gave it to him (laughs) and then walked away and threw the ice cream cone in the trash. He just bought the ice cream cone so he could have something to sign to give to this guy. Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> what a sweet guy. It's uh, so adorable. And like also a lot of his money um he donates now to like uh cancer research. Mm-hmm. Um because apparently his sister died of cancer, like mm. leukemia or something. Or had leukemia. I don't know if she actually died of it. But like just I don't know. The, the, the only man in the history of the world to be reverse canceled. <laughs> we all just made fun of his acting and then we realized that he was the best person on the planet and just like... <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll watch more of your movies. We'll watch more of your movies. It's uh, fine. Those John Wick movies are good as hell though. At least the first one is. I did not realize he was born in Lebanon. Oh yeah, he was, wasn't he? I forgot yeah. about that. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. and Yeah. Anyway, I could talk about Keanu Reeves for like eight hours. So probably Keanu wouldn't... Reeves is, is Nick's man crush. That's great. <laughs> we love it. I, I would just, I would like to have a picture with him. <laughs> just a picture. I, I would like, you can't I, disappoint a picture. I would like to be involved in like a, a, a water landing <laughs> where like our flight is delayed to the next stop. So he just rents us all a charter bus. <laughs> He well, he did that. No, it was a 10 passenger van. Right. But he like organized everybody. That is my still to this day, my fa- favorite Keanu story, which is when they had like the layover or it was it was like they were trying to get from San Francisco to L.A. And it was him and a bunch of like random people on this flight. And the the connection got canceled. And so like him and a bunch of other people, they needed to get back to L.A. So he ended up just like like mama ducking them and like organizing them all. And it's like, I got us a 10 passenger van and this guy is going to drive us from San Francisco to LA guys. So just come on, get in the van. And like <laughs> the only person on the face of the planet 
who shows up in a 10 passenger van and is like, get in the van. Like if it's Keanu Reeves, just get in the van. <laughs> like, you know, it's stranger danger. Yeah. He's the exception. <laughs> new, new thought. Keanu Reeves and Bill Murray are both secretly Faye, but Keanu, but uh, Keanu Reeves is benevolent and Bill Murray is mischievous. <laughs> Th- yeah, because, like, Bill Murray will just show up to people's weddings and fuck shit up. Yeah, right? it'll like- just be like, no one will ever believe that I was here. <laughs> uh, anyway. I, you know what, headcanon, I 100% believe this. This makes this. It, it makes, makes a, a lot, of, lot sense. of sense. It makes a lot more sense than, like, most of the world in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> Uh, we should tweet that out. That was a good. That's a good tweet. That's a good thought. Um, I don't know. I feel like we've kind of exhausted all the things that we, we were. I don't know, about. Alex. What yeah, do you want yeah, to talk about? I'm still in this podcast. Hey. Um, <laughs> um. I mean, I haven't really done a whole lot after finishing Korra because I'm trying to put together a Call of Cthulhu game, and so pretty much all of the little off time that I have from work, I've been trying to focus on getting that set up and ready to go. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no. There's a lot of naps going on in this apartment. It's, uh... Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I have been doing something. I, I keep forgetting to mention it on the podcast because I only watch it whenever I get, like, tipsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Sailor, Sailor Moon Crystal. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh, I, actually, I think that's the reboot, isn't it? Yeah, that's the reboot. I, I remember you was saying that you had watched it at some point or started yeah. watching it. No, um, I I watched um, two seasons, three seasons. There's only three seasons out right now. Okay. So uh, I think season three released last year. Um, okay, then I didn't see season three. I see. I've seen seasons one and two. Okay. Yeah, so I finished season one and watched started season two, like the first couple episodes of season two, um, and I don't know. It's it's interesting because I didn't grow up really watching Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I wouldn't have been allowed to grow up watching Sailor Moon, and except I did catch the movie at a friend's house, which is how, if you listen back to the podcast, how I encountered most of you know. The world is <laughs> at a friend's house. I played this game, or at a friend's house, I watched Forbidden this. Forbidden knowledge. Yeah, but um, but yeah, no, I caught the the movie uh, at, or one of the movies uh, at the friend's house, and then like in high school or somewhere after, I, I watched the uh, Sailor Moon A Bridge series. So oh, I had okay. like I had like a a rough idea of what the plot was, and then I, I started watching like Crystal as like I've had a shitty week. I need to to I, I don't get drunk, but I get tipsy, and so I'm I'm gonna drink three glasses of wine and watch Sailor Moon Crystal, and that's basically <laughs> been my go-to whenever I have a a, a rough week. Nice. Uh, so, um, but it's yeah it. All my thought, like I don't have many many things to say about it really. Uh, it's uh, apparently Crystal is more close to the manga with less um, less kind of fluff and, and filler that the original yeah. has. No, yeah, that's very accurate. That original show did have like 
I didn't watch it a lot, but I watched it here and there, and and it was a lot. Like it was a long series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, season one, I think, had like fourteen episodes of, of Crystal. So yeah, it, it, that that it, sounds way more focused. Because <laughs> like, because because Sailor Moon and DBZ were running like concurrently. I feel like for a lot of my childhood, mm-hmm. and so like like. DBZ is bad when it comes to filler. Like Mm -hmm. you get an entire episode of like two characters powering up and like not a single punch is thrown. And like, that's your episode for the day kids. As, as they're waiting, as they're waiting for the manga to be written. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Cause like Toriyama (laughs) was like way behind. I don't think Sailor Moon was ever that bad, but it was, I, like the original, I think has like four hundred episodes or something like that. It was just a ridiculous amount of anime. I I don't know. Um, I do know that uh, the English dub apparently did a lot of cutting and redoing, as as English dubs of the time were wont to do. Oh yeah. So um, apparently, I was wrong. Two hundred episodes of the original Sailor Moon. Goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it would be like. A lot of yeah, a lot of cutting like the lesbian characters. No, they're cousins. Yeah, mm. they're just they're just gals being pals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but that's uh, why they live together is because they're they're cousins. You mm-hmm. live with your cousin, right, and hang out with them all the time. Yeah, totally. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Um, one thing I never really got about it was the. The whole like, the hit like the the lore, the Sailor Moon lore, mm-hmm. uh, where they have like flashbacks to like the before times, where there's the Moon Kingdom and there's the Earth Kingdom, mm-hmm. and uh, there's what's his name, Prince Endymion, and and Princess Serenity, um, and it's it's like they talk about it as when when the darkness takes over the earth and influences all the people to rise up and destroy the moon um it's like and then take that moon <laughs> what take that moon um control our tides turn our men into werewolves i'll uh, show you what for they show it as kind of like how like like then civilization just collapses and time has to start over again like history has to start over again but in the flashbacks everyone's wearing like 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 mid 1800s era clothing like it's all very like victorian or early victorian cuz it's the past obviously it's the, <laughs> it's the past but it's like the pre-past um <laughs> Yeah, but everything looks the same in the past. <laughs> the past is one homogenous thing. And I think God, the goddamn funniest thing that I, I came upon in that, and I don't know if it was intentional, and I might not be that funny if I wasn't drunk at the time, but Princess Serenity or, or you know, Sailor Moon, uh, she gets, like, her powers of being the princess back, and they restore, like, the palace on the moon. And they give her the opportunity. It's like, well, do you want to be the queen of the new moon kingdom? And I'm like, 
there's nobody here. <laughs> there's no population. <laughs> like, it's just going to be you and four of your friends living in an empty palace on the moon. I hope like... they can see this because I'm doing it as hard as I can. <laughs> uh, Does anybody actually live in the moon in the first series? Or is it just the royal family? Because you don't see anybody else in there. It's just the palace. That's that's way too deep in the lore for me to know. I, I caught like a few like Monster of the Week episodes here and there, and I have mm. no idea of the overarching plot. At least you know. <laughs> no. I, I know people who would know the answer to that question, but mm-hmm. I have no idea off the top of my head. I don't know. Maybe it will be further explored in the, the rest of the series, but uh, we'll have to wait a couple weeks to find out. Um, but yeah, no, that's... It's a... It's a fun thing to just kind of do when I'm not really wanting to think about anything and just kind of like turn my brain off for a second, which maybe I shouldn't do. Maybe I should let it give it more of a chance of, you know, cognitive thought. Mm. But I don't know. It's just become the thing that I do when I need to drink. Uh, Watching something. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, I think... I, I mean, I'm sure there is some lore to it, but also, again, it was... I, I am aware of Sailor Moon being a, apparently 200 episode long anime that was mostly just monster of the week plots mm-hmm. from my childhood. So I don't think of it as being something that is terribly complicated, but it sounds like it had a bit more going on to it than I was aware of. <laughs> so maybe yeah. maybe it's something that needs uh, more attention paid. I don't know. Um stuff is happening stuff is happening what yeah yeah. the um the only other thing is uh that like the best friend character that's introduced like early on like i think in the original english dub she gets the name molly i think but in japanese it's naru um but like she is supposedly the best friend of of sailor moon um or you know before she becomes sailor moon i keep forgetting her name um Usagi, that's it, Usagi. Um, and she shows up again a few times after that, like, hanging out with the rest of the Sailor Scout friends. But for a best friend, she's not really involved in much of Usagi's life, considering that Usagi's life now involves saving the world. Um, and I, I don't know, it would it would be nice to see her more involved, I think. Um, and her other friends besides. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to influence a manga that was written in the 90s to to have that, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, 30-year-old franchise. Get Do a thing. <laughs> Do better. Anyway. Um, so do we have any, I don't I'm I'm out. Like that's those are the two things I got. Uh yeah. is there anything else that anybody wants to mention or come up with? Uh, the teaser trailer for Dune leaked early. Oh my god. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited. I need COVID to take me now because I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to survive hearing this much about Dune. Uh, I'm so... I'm sad about COVID because the movie is supposed to come out in November and I'm definitely not going to be in a place where I can go to the movies by then. Mm-hmm. So, but the trailer came out and looks good. Um, 
the the full trailer i think launches in a week um so i'm looking forward to seeing that but like the trailer the teaser trailer looks really good um there have been a lot of images leaking from it costume design looks great all the characters are really well designed there's that creepy shot of uh the baron harkonnen in what appears to be like a bath of oil which i love um and he's just kind of coming out of it uh have you seen any of these no i've not seen the the trailers for this you should you should go track it down i don't know if it's been taken off the internet but like the teaser trailer is mostly just the box scene it's like a minute long of uh paul and uh the reverend mother from the beginning Uh, but then they show other things like from other parts of the movie uh, like you see the the Duke and you see the Baron, um, man, it's it's gonna be good. I'm excited. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's that's the other main thing. I've been showing Elise a lot of the. Uh, I'm in a, I'm in a group called Dune Siege posting, <laughs> uh, and they've been taking stills that have leaked out and turning them into memes. Nice. Um, so I've been showing Elise a lot, a lot of those, and she loves them. Don't you, Elise? Mm. <laughs> that's that's the sound of joy. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think I've also exhausted the things that I can talk about. Um, Elise, you got anything else? No, there? I'm good. I haven't finished the uh, The Witcher yet. I thought I was... You just said you were you were exhausted and you didn't have any more topics. And then but, you're like, but actually... Well, I was going to say, I was going <laughs> to... Let ta- me talk about The Witcher last again. Week, no, because last week I said I was going to talk about The Witcher and I'm like, okay. I haven't beaten it yet. So I'll talk about that one next week. Oh, okay. So you lied to everybody. I... Well, the end of the game is longer than I was expecting it to be. Gotcha. I also got sidetracked with DLC stuff. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway... All right. I think I think that's a podcast. I think we've got ourselves a podcast here. Thank you for sticking with us, all of our new listeners. I hope you haven't just left us. Um, <laughs> but my name is Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And we've been Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Thank you all, and good night. Good night, everybody.